Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. For years now, we've heard from countless members of the Entree Architect community asking for more marketing and branding resources from Entree Architect. Well, we've been listening, and we've been hard at work. This week, we launched a new curriculum-based online training program to help you build a better brand. And it's built just for you, the small firm entrepreneur architect. You'll discover how a powerful brand can transform your firm at the Entree Architect Build Your Brand Workshop. Learn more right now at entrearchitect.com slash buildyourbrand. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 276. And this is part two in a series of episodes recorded live from the RCAD booth at the AIA Conference in Architecture in Las Vegas. I teamed up with my friends Evan Troxell and Cormac Phelan of ArcaSpeak Podcast and Lance Psycho of Inside the Firm podcast, and we sat down for three hours on Friday afternoon and met with some very interesting and inspiring people. It was a nonstop conversation about dozens of topics about what's happening today and what we see for the future of architecture and the architecture profession. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, live from the AIA Conference on Architecture, part two. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and much more at RCAT.com, FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure, 
spend less time on accounting, and more time doing the work you love. And Young Architect Conference, the architecture conference dedicated to the emerging professional. Robert, talk a little bit about the other things that you guys are doing, because it's interesting from an architect's point of view with some of the, uh, the, the niche sites that you've built. And I know <laughs> that's not part of, of Monograph, uh-huh. um, but I think architects would be interested in that because they have you know, ideas, and that's part of your SEO strategy. You sort of built those to sort of learn yep. how to build uh, you know, competitive SEO, and they've done great with those. And so what are some of those ideas that are separate from Monograph but, but uh, architects might be able to learn from? So what's interesting is we took on a lot of these smaller projects to essentially tool up our own ability to to be very good SEO uh, professionals. Uh, And some of those projects like HTML Color Codes does million and a half views a month. Um, It's insane. And it's completely monetized by by ads. We're ranked number one on a number of different keywords that point right back to that site. And it's a great uh, source of revenue in terms of like architects looking for alternative supplemental revenue. Uh, if you find a niche, if you find a keyword that has a lot of volume, um, you can use that as a case study to essentially like optimize and, and win that keyword. And a revenue model will be having ads on that website. Yeah, it's 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 super interesting. It's htmlcolorcodes.com. We we so as, as a collective we own a few HTML color codes is the one that performs the best. Yeah. Uh, but we also have Chinese New Year. If you look up ChineseNewYear.net, we have we have that one as well. So we do experiment between tools and and content based uh, sites. Yeah, it's such a cool idea. I mean, so architects, you know, they're doing their daily thing. They come up with an idea. They search for it. It's not there. You could build this little niche site that solves this one little problem. Like HTML color codes, literally is a is a converter you're looking yep. for the code for a specific color you pick the color it tells you the code that's all it is it, it, it's and so a, you do a google search for html color codes because that's what you're looking for you land on that site and you find it and then you monetize it by putting ads on the site and they make you know good good salary and you know, good money with with yeah uh, i love it you're diversifying through a series of ni- niches right like you went to the niche 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 and you got all these legs to stand on yeah and yeah. then you learn about seo and then you apply that to the to the mothership of monograph it's the whole goal as individuals we believe like trying and testing on a number of different small side projects projects that are like the scopes are really small but like we can gain a lot of knowledge, new knowledge or, or deeper knowledge by doing really short sprint uh, exercises. Um, SEOs, how do we do it? How do we structure content? How do we optimize? How do we rank? Uh, these are all common questions that don't only apply to, let's say, static HTML code color websites, but they can apply to an architect's core business, right? Their, their core website. How do you optimize so that they're ranked number one locally if they're right. doing a lot of local work? What does it take? How do you get there? Uh, what what are backlinks? How do you get them? Because uh, these are really valuable assets as as a small business owner in architecture to be ranked as high as you can locally if you're doing a lot of local work. And I'm going to do a quick little plug for the membership at Entree Architect. Robert did a, a masterclass on that that specific topic, where you know how do you build SEO, rank, get your rankings up on your on your site for your, as an architect. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of went into the back, gave us a little bit of the secret sauce inside the membership. So anybody who has a a membership yeah, has, name, a- has access to that. <laughs> it, it might be after this podcast. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it I, should be. I feel like I'm getting a new new nickname every time I go somewhere new, though. So today I'm Secret Sauce. Yeah, very cool. 
Uh, so do you do any architecture work, or is it just, are you, is this full-time with you, uh, Mono, Monograph and all the other websites that you talked about? Is that where is that where most of your time is spent at this point? So most, so we started off as an agency first, so we're building software as a service. Uh, our side projects were, and this is just like a traditional service-based model, so we had our highs and low months, just like architecture. Yeah. So during our low months, that's when we did the side projects. Uh, we are now transitioned where we're 100% focused on Monograph. Very cool. So there, we don't have any more clients, and this is the same stigma. Like, we were just really tired of client work. Uh, and, like, we really wanted to build a product that helps the industry. Like, me and my two co-founders are all trained as architects. Our backgrounds in architecture. All of our friends are architects. Uh, we can build software. Like, we really want, we're trying really hard to find what's, what's, the right, what's the right mission. What's the right type of project uh, to solve. Uh, to help the industry. Very cool. All right, so we just had Reg Prentice from Tonic DM join us, and Reg and Robert know each other, I think, pretty well already. But uh, it, we thought it'd be cool for you guys to overlap because, I mean, maybe you guys could just talk real quickly about how you know each other, maybe a little bit about Zero Sixty, and just where what what wild ride you guys have been on for the last I don't know six months. I think we saw both you guys at AU last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so just maybe talk about that and, and help the other entrepreneurs maybe who, who might listen to this out there to, uh, about like kind of navigating what you've navigated to this point. Well, I, I've been talking a lot, so maybe, maybe I'll let Ridge take, take the first stab at, at this and maybe also introduce, introduce yourself. Yeah, hold it really close. So I'm Reg Prentice uh, with Tonic DM. We're the world's most advanced project information management system built specifically for architects and engineers. That's a great tagline. Yeah, that was awesome. It's a long tagline. Um, Robert and I met each other in the Trimble 060 Accelerator program, which Mm -hmm. we did last year, which was a program set up by Trimble to help young startup companies uh, develop and grow within the industry. Uh, I think Robert and I hit it off because we both have similar ideas about software for the design industry, which is things that are easy to use, uh, resonate with designers, uh, and are just practical tools uh, for getting your work done in a design firm on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Uh, no, I think you've nailed it. Just helping helping architects get, get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think doing it in a way which is very easy, doesn't require a ton of training, uh, doesn't disrupt the firm's normal processes. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, in contrast to a lot of other technologies, which are a big workflow disruption and require the architects to change their workflow, I think we're interested in systems which just fit right in and help architects in their day-to-day work. Reg, can you talk a little bit more specifically about what the, the tool is and how it works? Most of the community who's listening here are probably smaller firms, uh, mid, to, mid to small firms, and so how does that work with, with them and what do they do? Okay. So one of the main problems we solve is uh, correspondence, email management. So even in a small firm, you're going to have a variety, a number of different staff members and a number of different projects. So we make it really easy for the staff to organize their email by project. So uh, everyone in the firm can see what's happening um, on each project rather than those emails being locked away in individual mailboxes. Um, we also handle uh, file transfer, so it's always tricky to send large files through email. 
So we have a system which is as easy to use as email, but you can attach large files to it, and it creates a transmittal automatically. It logs when those files are downloaded. And then tracking RFIs and submittals. So we even have customers that are sole proprietors who just use our system for the file transfer capability and the RFI and submittal tracking, because those are things which, uh, you know, you, you can do them yourself in Excel or just uh, kind of uh, through Dropbox. But it's nice to have it in a system which is project-based. So everything is filed under its project, and it's in a standardized format. Are you an architect? Uh, I do. I, I wouldn't say I'm an architect, but I went to architecture but you're school. trained as an architect. <laughs> I graduated architecture. I actually started at Frank Gehry's office. So after school, I moved from New Zealand to Los Angeles and spent 11 years working with Frank Gehry mm -hmm. uh, on the technology side. So I was part of the IT team. And I enjoyed it because with a background in architecture, you know, and being a technology-focused person, you know, where's better to work in that right. environment than Frank Geary's office? Uh, and then I spent uh, nine years at Gensler in Los Angeles after that. So it was a little bit of a switch from a smaller firm uh, with a kind of sole founder mentality to a very large firm where there are multiple studios, multiple principles, kind of global design uh, business. Uh, so I feel like I got both sides of the coin on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's, what, what's sort of the, what was the, the origin story? What was the, 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 uh, the seed that created the, 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 what you're doing today? So at uh, Geary's office and at Gensler, my role uh, was specifically around information management. So I, I dealt a lot with CAD, less with 3D, but a lot just with the process of design documentation uh, how information flows between the GC and the architect, the consultants, back to the architect, back to the GC. And I never, I, I felt there, was, there wasn't a tool on the market which really made that easy for offices. There are some tools on the market for managing that, but they are just cumbersome, there's a lot of friction. Sometimes they're just too expensive, so they're yeah. just priced out of particularly the small firm range. And I felt there was a real uh, missing element there that needed to be filled for the profession because obviously uh, as professionals we want to keep great records and have and be very organized so that we are professionals but I, I just didn't feel there was a good system that was easy to use and priced affordably uh, for that purpose. Yeah, very interesting. Do you guys have any questions? I don't know what you guys just talked about because I just We're saw. Talking about you. I just saw Roman Mars. He's okay. right there, and I told him we're recording our podcast here, so he's basically here with us right now, right? Roman Mars no? uh, <laughs> on the Arcast. Yeah, on the Arcast. Uh, so, I, I, like I said, I don't know what you guys just talked about, but uh, Reg, we're we're using Tonic in our office, and I think what you were talking about as far as ease of use and something getting out of the way is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. One of the things that your guys' stuff does is it automates, like it learns as you go, mm -hmm. right? If you have a, a project set up, it's trying to learn and, and take away the back-of-house work that people have to do by themselves. Right. Well, one of the, the, the... There's two forms of kind of ease of use. One is when you're setting the system up and configuring it, a lot of technologies is just beyond any architecture firm uh, that doesn't have professional IT people. Yeah. So we've designed this specifically so that it's super easy to set up. Uh, you can get started very quickly. It's, it's more of a consumer-style 
uh, of uh, system setup, like something you just expect. You just log in and it works, right? You don't have to do some crazy yeah. IT stuff to get it set up. So even large firms appreciate that because no one has extra IT time. IT yeah. is always overwhelmed. Right. So that's one part of the ease of use. More and more work is falling on their shoulders every day. So yeah, anything right. that you can do. Because the more we be, we're actually becoming technology companies who do architecture. That's how I, I frame it in, in our right. fir, uh, the size of firm that we are. So I, I think right. that that the, the burden is becoming more and more increased on a very small team, typically. Right. So, so we try to take that burden off by just having software which just works. Yeah. And the second one is for the staff. Like, people just don't have time to do elaborate training right now. Like, Revit, yeah, okay, you will go to training for that. But for email management and file sharing, are you really going to spend days <laughs> in training learning to use it? So we typically give a 30-minute overview for the staff because they need to know this is a new system the office is going to use, this is how we're going to manage the information. But they don't really need to be shown how to use Tonic because it's just easy to use, right? We, we cut down the number of buttons. We spent a long time removing buttons from our software because more buttons just means more overhead, more complexity. And we want this to be as simple as possible for the staff to use uh, so they don't require elaborate training and they can get good value out of the system. That's cool. So with, with the 060 Accelerator program, can you guys just talk about, we, we've mentioned that on our show before, just to kind of talk about, you know, one of the things that has definitely been identified over and over again in the architectural profession is the very low amount of uh, innovation over time, right? And, right? and so it seems to me like Accelerator programs like that, and there's a few of them out there, but that's one, and just to tie it all together, Lucas and German were both students of mine at Cal Poly, uh, now they're doing this cool thing, you know, that it's coming out of uh, Gary Technologies. Now they're now Trimble bought it. Now they're running this zero sixty accelerator, which is awesome, right? They're they're trying to do something for the profession, right? And they're investing or in many different types of ways, whether it's office space or ideas or mm-hmm. or dollars, even in some cases, right? To to get ideas like your guys off the ground. So can you just talk about what that program is? Because Lucas isn't here right now, but maybe represent right. what they're doing. And so people can look it up and just look into If they have entrepreneurial ideas, maybe there's, maybe there's help that they can get. Yeah. Uh, the website, I believe, is 060.io. Okay. And they have applications open right now uh, for their new cohort mm-hmm. for 2019. And so they do four, four different... Like they, a cohort is like four companies. Is that how uh, it works? I think it's 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 a small cohort, but I yeah. think it's it's variable. Okay. Uh, they'll look at it's the applicants okay. and and try to find good fit for the program. Right. Um, I think innovating in architecture specifically is very very difficult because architects need professional software. You know, it's not uh, it's not a toy. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Uh, when you're building a piece of software, you can't uh, just code something up overnight and then expect people to buy it, yeah. right? They need something which is pretty mature before it really works in a professional situation. Yeah. So it makes innovation quite difficult for startup companies because you have to get a long way with the technology before you can expect people to pay for it and actually use it in an office. Yeah. And and I don't say that as a negative. I think that's just the way the profession is. It's a it's a it's a profession and it's a very important profession and you can't sell people toys yeah <laughs> right yeah um, so I think getting over that hurdle of 
you have to create a really great product before people are willing to pay for it. That's one of the, the hurdles in our area. Yeah, I think because it's so complicated to make a building, and like software needs to also address complicated issues. Like Monograph, the Monograph dashboard right now, like it took two years to build before we, before our first beta user was even using it. Um, it's because there's there's so much work to make sure we covered before we even hit uh, our, our MVP, our, our, our minimum viable product. Um, it just takes a long time. That said, like back back to zero sixty, like I, it's an amazing program just in the ability of connecting other startups together. Yeah. Um, and sharing like-purposed individuals, like-purposed like, like, individuals, not, yeah. not necessarily like-minded, right? But I always like to go back to like-purpose because you guys want to make every, this stuff better for people, right? Yeah. Like, that's really the goal. And, and I applaud Trimble and Lucas and German for working on this because they're trying to get the startups to help the startups over that hump, right? And they do that by, uh, as you said, offering some office space, uh, a lot of ideas, and and kind of um, assistance with that, like. Uh, we're implementing an idea now that German introduced me to, and it's just like, it's transformational for us. You want to talk about your future plans? Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we don't mind talking about our future okay. plans. Cool. So um, I was going to say, uh, any help that you get from companies like Trimble is really valuable to startups because it is so hard in this industry. I think what's so neat about that is Trimble's a big company, right? right? And and there's only a few of these big companies and to see the way that they're investing in very small companies right. to help your ideas get big is very different than the way other companies work. Yeah. I mean, a lot of companies are just looking out for themselves, right? And to right. me, this is definitely a gesture in, that is different than that. Yeah. And they're both great, great people with a deep understanding of the industry. So working right. with them and with the other people in the cohort, with right. uh, Ian and Robert, and right. in our case, that was huge. Like Robert said, uh, it can be very lonely out there, and uh, <laughs> yeah. having a, a team of like-minded uh, people is really great. Like purpose. Like, like purpose people. <laughs> like purpose people. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I find that way, for me, personally, that was the number one asset in terms of joining the program, uh, because what I get paired with a similar startup, uh, in, in a similar phase, and we can address similar problems together and work on them together, uh, and that that means so much versus being siloed in, in our own in our own office and trying to to resolve problems by just throwing darts at a at a dartboard. We'll be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors, Arcat, FreshBooks, and Young Architect Conference. Do you remember when you started your architecture firm? It was no small feat. It took many late nights and many early mornings. Bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier now? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners like you. It's simple and it's intuitive and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part, FreshBooks grows alongside your business. So you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. 
Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free today. 30 days, no catch, no credit card. Try it for free at entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Are you an emerging architect? Do you want to failure-proof your career? Then you will want to attend the Young Architect Conference on August 23rd through the 25th in Portland, Oregon. This conference, which was created by Young Architect founder Mike Rasika, is all about feeding your connection and knowledge necessary to truly succeed in architecture as a young architect. That means you'll learn the next most powerful steps you can take after receiving your license. You'll learn how to be a better leader. You'll learn how to build your brand, stand out in a competitive market, use social media, and grow a following. You'll also learn how you can leverage your talent and values to give back in the most meaningful way. You ready to save your spot? Space is limited, so grab it now. Visit entrearchitect.com slash youngarchitect. That's entrearchitect.com slash youngarchitect. And use our promo code entree, E-N-T-R-E, and you'll save $150 when you register. That's entrearchitect.com slash youngarchitect. And use the promo code entree. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Young Architect Conference Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So I asked Robert the same question. Is Are you seeing any other design professions pick up your software and start to start utilizing it? Well, I mean, there's a lot of parallels, right? Engineers work in the right. same sort of methods. So we focus on A and E. So uh, a lot of our best customers are actually engineers. We find when it comes to organization of information, that gels immediately with engineers because they think kind right. of in an organized way. So, uh, so engineers uh, definitely, as well as architects. Outside of that, we haven't we haven't focused on that demographic. Technically, tonic would work for any company that uses project numbers. Uh, so, any professional services company could probably use it, but we have tried to remain very focused on AE uh, just because we want to we want to capture that market and so we're staying very focused on that at the moment. Can you also make a piece of software that would uh, enable them to answer the phone quicker or return calls because that's a <laughs> bane of my existence with engineers? It's uh -huh. a joke. <laughs> well, I'm thinking like the phone has almost become useless now because 90% of the calls are just spam. Yeah. 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 Like, I hardly answer my phone anymore because yeah. it's the Social Security Administration telling me my my right. my numbers <laughs> being IRS, compromised. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I I have a question that I'm always interested in with with uh, people who were trained as architects, who have gone off into a different path and have become focused more on, on the tech side. Um, that transition from okay, I'm I'm an architect. I've been trained as an architect. I've invested my time and my money and my brain power. Uh, to become an architect, and then something happens in your career, and you see there's a new path. That point was that a difficult transition to make that um, that that transition, and and how did you do that? Um, so I'll I'll, I'll take a first. take a first stab. Uh, I know how to code a little bit, but I'll be completely transparent. I write zero code. Like even though I'm trained trans architect now running a tech company, I write zero code. 
I don't, I'm not a software engineer. I would never call myself a software engineer. Uh, so where, where I think the architectural education becomes super valuable is mm -hmm. knowing how to contextualize problems, right? Like we're, at the core, we're still solving problems. Uh, we're still trying to make things for a specific audience. Uh, this is no different than when I was designing a building. It's just the context of how I'm solving it is a little bit different, and the medium and how I execute that is also a little bit different. Yeah. So in how, that, how do you, so do you do any do, you do like storyboards? I mean, how are you sort of laying out what we're like what the vision is? We draw all the time in the office. We sketch all the time in the office. We, we're architects are visual. So what the only way to really solve for a visual audience is we also have to be visual in our approach to solving problems. So we, we draw a lot in the in the office, and like one of the core problems of almost any software, not just project management software, is double entry, right? Where you're where you're repeatedly asked the same information in multiple areas yeah. of the software. To solve that, there's no really other way to lay out the context. Like how many times are we going to ask this question? And let's make sure that we don't present, we don't ever ask architects to enter the exact same information ever more than once. Um, there's no you cannot simply solve that problem by just writing code like you have to really understand the landscape of, of the situation uh, the, the following question was like was it hard it, w it wasn't really that hard I think it was like a long slow transition mm -hmm. like I immediately so it was an evolution it was an evolution like immediately after my MRC and MS degree at Michigan I started a project called section cut sectioncut.com yeah. which was a curated collection of architectural resources uh, for students Really, it was a personal project. I finished my MR degree. I was working on my portfolio before my, my tenure at, at SOM. Um, and I wanted a way to essentially archive everything I learned in graduate school. How do I save all the plugins to Rhino, all the digital tools that I was using? How do I save all the scripts? How do I save all the, the, the text? How do I save all the theory books? Like, I don't want to forget, forget that knowledge. And that's really how, how Section Kill was, was formed. So I kind of always had one foot in, one foot out mm -hmm. in terms of like building little projects. And was not that was that mindset shift? Did that happen at Section Cut or Monograph, where you went from the label "I'm an architect who's doing tech" uh. to now I'm a tech entrepreneur who is, is an architect? So I think that happened when when I stopped working in architecture. So me and my two co-founders. So early Simone, on. Early on, yeah. We decided to pair up. We were all essentially freelancing on the side, and it was like, well, we can command a larger fee if we weren't considered freelancers, yep. right? We can we can now essentially have a, a little bit more value based pricing because now we're seen as a company and not individuals providing uh, freelancer consultancies. So when we paired up and started Dixon and Mo or or, uh, or umbrella co company, yeah. Um, I stopped labeling myself as an architect because I'm not building. I'm not designing buildings anymore. Yeah. Yeah. What like about you're the true software architect, though. That's such a contentious label. But you're <laughs> right, it. Right, exactly. I finally met it. You're yeah. the software architect. <laughs> I have a new nickname, right? Like, I have to transition. <laughs> Secret sauce to, like, software architect. What about so you, Red? For me, it was a difficult uh, transition. Uh, I've always considered myself an architectural professional. Um, even at school, I started writing code. So, like Robert, I have a background in kind of coding. I was never particularly good at it. Always like an enthusiastic amateur. Yeah. Uh, but for example, when uh, Frank Gehry's office spun off Gehry Technologies, I, I chose to stay with Gehry Partners because I always wanted to be part of the architecture firm and part of the architecture process rather than a technologist. Yeah. But over time, 
I came to realize that my contribution to the profession as a whole was going to be in the technology field. Uh, it's definitely not going to be in the design field, that's for sure. So at that point, I started to transition in my mind that you know, if I'm going to make a lasting contribution to the profession, then I need to embrace the idea that I'm, a, I'm going to be a technologist primarily for the architecture space. And, and I guess to follow up on that, Reg, since, and, and both you guys, since you worked at larger firms, you didn't feel like you could do that in the firm. You felt like you really wanted to solve a problem that was much larger than just that user base. Because I, that's me. I'm director of digital practice at HMC Architects. And, and HMC is a 350-person firm. And I'm trying to solve problems. And I'm looking for people like you guys to help me solve those problems. But we're also writing our own code. We're doing our own scripting. And we are building our own tools that solve our specific problems. Um, so you, I guess the question is, you really felt like your calling was bigger than that. I think there's a type of problem where it is uh, absolutely the role of the firm to build tools to solve that problem. Yeah. And there are problems where it's absolutely not in the interests of the firm totally. to try to solve that problem. Uh, and but I've we're architects. We can do everything. <laughs> and we should do it all. Yeah. Right now. Like the yeah. number of small firms that use Excel as their accounting system because right. they don't want to spend 20 bucks a month on QuickBooks, right? right. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's hard. There's a point at which it's hard for firms to determine, is this something we should do or is this something we should let totally. an outside professional firm do? Yeah. And a lot of firms end up going down the path of creating tools which are then too big for them to maintain. They They... Without the maintenance, they fall into disuse, and that energy and that money ends up getting wasted. So I think it's, it's important for firms to really think hard before they decide to either do heavy customization on a tool or to build a tool from scratch, because a lot of times it's just outside the, the reasonable purview of the firm to build that tool. And I certainly felt that with Tonic, it needed to be done. Like, I was with Gensler. Gensler has a lot of resources, but I felt... You know, even if Gensler wanted to put the resources in, it just wasn't the right kind of thing for Gensler to be building internally. It was more appropriate for an outside firm to, to tackle that. Yeah, one of the reasons I love that question of mindset shift and labeling is because I, I think you can't do both. Like there, I think a lot of architects, they want to be an architect and they want to go pursue this other big idea. Um, and when you try to do both, neither of them succeed at the level that you want them to. And so you need to either choose, I'm going to be an architect and build an architecture firm, or I'm going to go pursue this other idea. And maybe you still have your hand in architecture, but your primary focus right. has to be one or the other if you really want to succeed right. at that. I think tools that would be relevant for an architecture firm to try to build themselves would be tools which specifically differentiate them in design. So, for example, if you're building uh, grasshopper scripts yep. that produce a particular shape or particular kind of design that that you want to explore as a designer, then totally go ahead and do it because that's your differentiator is design. But if you're building general office tools, like if you're trying to build your own accounting system yeah. uh, or, or resource management system like Robert has, then that's not going to differentiate you as a design firm. Yeah. So you, you really want to be buying that off the shelf. Well, as we transition to our next guest here, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you guys. Uh, you very much like couple of the previous guests we had. We had Upcodes and Iris VR here. You guys are solving real problems for a variety of architecture firms out there. And I think that 
you're supporting the profession. And Reg, you've lectured in my class a couple times, and you're, you're, and it's not a sales pitch about your software. It's about what do architects best value? How are right. we, how, how are we contributing? And you're definitely contributing. Both of you guys are to our profession. And right. so I wanted to yeah. personally thank you, and thanks for coming yeah. to record thanks, with us Evan. today. Thanks, Mark. Thank you're you welcome. for having before us. Before you before you go, just why don't you plug how people can. You know, reach out to to you and how they can access what you're doing. Sure, uh, our website is monograph.io, so feel free to sign up. There's a little chat bubble in the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, someone will be there to answer any immediate questions. Let's say if you do want to reach me, uh, I, I address all my emails, Robert at monograph.io. Uh, it might take me a day, give me 24 hours. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty busy now, but I get I get through everything within a 24-hour window. All right, great. Brent, how about you? And like uh, Monograph, Tonic is very easy to sign up for. Our web address is tonicdm, as in documentmanagement.com. Uh, we have the little chat bubble too, so feel free to send us a message. <laughs> uh, leave your email address in the chat uh, so we can get back to you efficiently. Uh, you can actually sign up online, but usually we discuss the product with people first and kind of walk them through the setup. But very quick and uh, very quick to get started and, and to try it. And we're we're very happy to work with small firms, medium or large firms. All right, great. Well, thank you both for uh, coming and hanging out with us for a little bit here. Great. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Thank you. So our next guest is the best friend. Yeah, Lance, you want to introduce our next guest? Nicholas Renard. Hello. Yeah, nice to meet you. An American treasure. National treasure. Right. He's gonna national treasure. He's going to tell us a story. From Jacksonville. Oh, God. What am I telling the story? You, you didn't. You didn't bring a book. I didn't bring a book. I today. thought you were going to read it's for us. Not reading. No, that's only special. Yeah, that's special for the besties. That's what have you been up to? Just walking around this morning. Yeah, but in practice, you're busy. You're a busy guy. You're building now. Oh, I make it look a lot busier than we are. Yeah. But we got. We have a couple big houses that we're working on. Uh, one we're building. It'll be our second new build house. Uh, we're bill- bidding right now in the process of bidding two other houses. Uh, but those are more remodels. And then we got uh, two new build houses that are potential builds. Yeah. So, so it's w- changing. Yeah, when we started our construction arm, this is the one question I was going to ask you on our podcast, we'll do it now, is when we started our construction arm, we, we the subs that we got, some were brand new, we never worked with them before. And some were, I literally poached them from good GCs, and I asked for permission first. Was it sort of the same process with you when you went to, when you started building? I mean, I wouldn't say I poached, but I've been on job sites quite a bit through my career, and I knew who I wanted to call from working with them on other projects with other contractors. So, um, yes, in a sense, I poached, but I didn't. I didn't cold call anybody. Okay, everybody was there. Everybody was there. Yeah, yeah. So, where are you guys at in the building process right now on the on the house that you're building? <laughs> you guys are almost dried in, right? We are 100 percent dried in. Okay. They're doing exterior siding today, which is nerve-wracking because I'm here, and for the <laughs> yeah. first time ever, we're using Hardy Aspire for siding, so that's going on the house right now. Um, they also scratch What could coated, go wrong? Yeah, you know, exactly. Nothing, right? They're scratch-coating the stucco in today, which in the jurisdiction we're building, the inspectors insist on seeing the nailing pattern on the Hardy and insist on seeing the scratch coat before they brown coat it. Yeah. Which is just a nightmare. Um, Scheduling-wise. Scheduling it. Yeah. And on top of that, um, our electrical uh, component, our jurisdiction there, JEA, requires that our homeowner 
calls in to get their meter set. And I think my homeowner got a little confused, and there was some miscommunication, and so there was a lot of running around this morning trying to figure out if we had power or not, which we don't yet. Yeah. Our previous guest, one of the things topics that just came up was, you know, they're, they're, te- they're essentially tech entrepreneurs at this point. And so uh, we talked about having your foot in, and they were architects, trained as architects, having your foot in, in two different places. So, you know, you and I are similar in the sense that we're architects and builders. And my, it, was, it was a big wake-up call for me about two weeks ago with Alex. And I, we, we were on site, and I go, hey, I just I can't take on any more clients right now. I, ha- I need to be here 100% of the time. How do you how do you do it? Like, have you, are you at that point too, where you're like, I need to multiply. There needs to be another. We need to clone Nick. We've always needed to clone Nick. <laughs> you need more national treasures. I mean, Absolutely, one Nick is only awesome. Have one, thirteen Nicks would be superior. Yeah. Um, but what does Nick think? Nick loves Nick, so of course Nick would like to see more Nick. Um, I, I do. I hired a one of the best employees I've ever had last fall, and she's been awesome helping get everything done you know usually when clients come in um or people ask how you're getting it all done and i'm like well i'm not getting it done i work on two projects cammy does everything else yeah which is somewhat the case um but we're not not taking new work um but we are getting a little more selective in what we take on yeah does that include building sites? So, you know, one of the rules of thumbs, Jonathan Segal has this rule of thumb, and I live by it. Is you if, if you're gonna, I haven't seen him today. I All hope right. he's. I told him to stop by. He hasn't checked his messages today. Um, but that is, you got to be. His rule of thumb is thirty minutes or less. I'm only buying this site and building on it thirty minutes or less from my house. I have because I have to be within that close of contact. Are you in that? Do you, have you been afforded that ability with this latest build and the previous one? Yeah. So we're fortunate in. In where most of our work is, I can get to most of my sites in 20 minutes, and most of my work is in a very condensed area. The um, we'll only build at the beaches in Northeast Florida because we know we can get to each one of those sites in less than 20. Um, we do have a client pushing us to stretch us a little bit further. We may do it from a construction management point, but we're not going to be his GC. Because I can't be there every day. Right, exactly. exactly. So I have a question for, for you, Lance, and you, Nick, because you guys have... Nick, you, you just said you, you made one of the, the best hires, and obviously you guys have grown over the last two years uh, into what you're doing at F9, right? So when, when you think back to before you had that employee and when you guys were just doing it yourselves at F9, you know, where did you see yourself in the future? I don't know how many years or whatever but you know at some level it's probably like I can't afford to do this and now that you've done it you couldn't have afforded not to do it kind of a a a thinking I just maybe riff on that and and where where have you been where have you come how did you make those decisions and then as you guys have grown at F9 too like you guys are you guys are almost going to move into another office soon right like in, in your development so there's a lot going on I'm sure a lot has happened over these over these years but you want me to go first, Lance? I'll, I'll I'll just say one comment and then you go. Okay. And that is, the best decision we ever made was to hire a bookkeeper. That's actually who we hired. Almost it was almost at the same time as our real first employee, because that took a whole level of stuff I didn't have to deal with anymore. The we were at the point where we could afford to pay somebody who isn't billable because she's not billable um, to handle the taxes. 
Um, we were both getting mortgages at the same time, so we had to really reconcile our books. It took us off Excel, brought us into QuickBooks, and now we're streamlined in that way. And I think that, that kind of opened then the next door to be able to select the right people to hire after that. That were, you know, one of the big questions I ask everybody when they go to F9 is like, are you comfortable being in the field? And they go, yeah, I uh, would love to walk around. No, no, no. Are you comfortable swinging a hammer? Yeah. And they go, and that's, they have to be comfortable with that. I need them to be out there and doing blue collar work. Um, and they learn from it. So yeah. that's cool. Nick, before you, before you answer that question, I want to introduce our, our next guest here who I want to overlap this conversation. Okay. Uh, this is Jared Zern from NCARB. And so uh, you want to just introduce yourself, Jared? And then, uh, and then I'd love to sort of have you get into this conversation here. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much. My name is Jared Zern. I currently am the Vice President of Examination at the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards, which means I oversee the operation and development of the architect registration exam. Uh, prior to joining NCARB, I was a small practitioner, I a sole proprietor in northern Minnesota, and I also taught at a community college. You're the NDSU alum, right? I am an NDSU. All right, go Bison. Yeah, Me too. North, that's, yeah. North Dakota State North University. Dakota State. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. I was I was super happy they picked somebody from our alma mater. That makes the most sense. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to wrap it up there for this episode. Come back next week to hear more from Nick Renard and thoughts from Jared Zern of NCARB about how NCARB is working hard to serve you, the small firm architect, and many, many more guests. This is, this is just the tip of the iceberg here. We have, uh, we have a bunch more guests and more information to share with you. But before we go, I want to remind you to take a look at the Entree Architect Build Your Brand Workshop. It's a brand new offering from Entree Architect. We've been working hard to develop this new six-week training program that will help you assess where you are right now, decide where you want to go, and how to build a brand to get you there. With architect marketing expert Jeff Eccles and me as your guides, the Build Your Brand Marketing Workshop includes six live webinar training sessions via Zoom video conference, so you can tune in from the comfort of your home or your office. Six live coaching calls, they're separate from the training, six live coaching calls, so you can have your questions answered live, stay motivated, and be held accountable for getting all this work done, so you can finally have this marketing system, this new brand that will guide you to your success. Jeff and I will guide you every step of the way. Uh, unlimited access to all the session recordings so you can review them and catch up at all your convenience whenever you need to. And a private member forum powered by Slack just for this group, for group support and check-in you know, check from Jeff and I. We'll be able to answer any questions whenever you want. It's there for you. And you can collaborate and support your fellow members at the workshop and a private online resource portal filled with downloads and links and additional resources about marketing and branding and a digital download step-by-step -step Entree Architect Build Your Brand guide to take with you. So you have everything you need to continue to build this brand, to continue to use your brand. This program developed by Jeff Eccles with more than 20 years of practice application and refinement, the Entree Architect Build Your Brand Workshop teaches a proven marketing and branding system created specifically for you, the small firm architect. Are you ready to start attracting the projects you want, the clients you need, and the fees you deserve? Yes, you are. Then visit entrearchitect.com slash build your brand right now and enroll. 
Seats are limited. There's only 20 spots. So grab your spot right now today. That's entrearchitect.com slash build your brand. And if you are an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, yes, that's you. You're an entree architect. And I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. We'll see you at the workshop, entrearchitect.com slash build your brand. Go check it out. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. 
gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.